0: He is risen. He is risen like Michelle was saying, that's probably my favorite part, too. I have to agree with that. That's what it's all about, isn't it? That's what it's all about for us that know Jesus Christ, the fact that He's risen. Today we're celebrating that. Today is the high point of our year. It's the high point of our life because we know the truth of what this day means. And there's just something special about being here today with all of you. and. I'm seeing some faces I haven't seen for a while, and this is sweet, I love every bit of this. I have some great memories when I think of Easter. Um, probably one of my favorite memories is going back probably into my college and early married years. I was living in Portland, and those of you that were around in the 80s, you remember they used to have an all-city sunrise service down to Memorial Coliseum, some of you probably went, remember that. But it was just this incredible event where they would pack the Coliseum, and they would have someone speak and they had a beautiful music and then they would bring down the blinds behind the bowl in the Colosseum. So the blinds would come down and the sun would shine through into this big bowl at the Memorial Coliseum, And it was just a beautiful way to start off that resurrection Sunday morning, being with the collective body of Christ around the city of Portland. And then after that, Patty and her parents, maybe some friends, I can't remember who all, but we would go to Elmer's on 82nd. That was, mm, yes, German pancakes, good stuff. So Easter sunrise, Elmer's, and then we would go to church together later in the morning. Another good memory that I have is when our family used to live right over here in the Parsonage. Um, For 14 years, we lived there. And... My older three kids growing up, in the afternoon, we'd have my parents over, and we'd do a big lunch, and then we'd have the Easter egg hunt, right? So I would be the lucky one that would go out and hide all these Easter eggs, right? And I'd try to be sneaky, but not too sneaky, because you want the kids to actually find them, right? But I remember how fun it was just doing that with our kids, and s- standing in the living room, looking out the window, and watching them the joy of them finding the eggs one by one and putting them into the basket, and then we had, we'd usually have one or two eggs that had something special inside, and they would try to find that specific one. And I just remember standing there and just the joy of being together and watching my kids have a great time and celebrating. But you know what I love, maybe most of all, is just the special feeling. There's something about Easter morning, getting up. I walk to work now, I just live around the corner, it's kinda cool, I like that. So I walk here and there's just something special about this day that I love. And then I get here and Sheldon's downstairs flipping pancakes at us. How cool is that? There's a nice Easter brunch going on with with just friends and family here at CBC. And then just being here in the service, hearing the amazing music, Mark, thank you for putting the choir together, Norma for the orchestra. What a blessing that is to hear the music and then just be together on this Resurrection Sunday. The resurrection is a historical event. It happened in time and place. You can't deny it. The world has tried. They've tried to come up with excuses or reasons why it's not true, but they can't. You can't explain away the empty tomb. In fact, when people try, when they honestly look at the facts of that empty tomb, what happens is they come to know Jesus. There's books out there written by people who honestly tried to disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ and it didn't work. What they came to realize is it's true and they can't argue their way out of it and there's some great reads out there, some great books about that. But it's more than just a historical event. The resurrection has application in my life every day I live. Today we're gonna take a trip through, surprise, the book of Romans. (laughs) Imagine that, how just off the top of my head I went with Romans, so we've been going through that great book, and I thought, you know, what better book to explain to us the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ than the book of Romans? So there's seven passages that we're going to look at today from Romans that talk about what the resurrection means in our lives today. What is the significance of this great historical event in our lives as Christians? So we'll start with Romans 1, verses 1 through 4, a good place to start right at the very beginning. Here's what it says. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. I want you to notice a couple things about this passage. Number one, the Trinity. Look at this passage. We have God the Father. We have the Spirit of Holiness, the Holy Spirit. And we have Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ our Lord. The Trinity working together to bring about the gospel. Paul says in the key verse of Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. What is the gospel? Well, the gospel means, literally means, good news. There's some good news here that we need to understand because there's some bad news that we also need to understand. And the book of Romans takes us, it starts us out and says, look, here's the reality. All of us have sinned. All of us fall short of God's glory. All of us are short of who God created us to be. We're in sin. That's a, pro- that's a big problem, that's some bad news. But here's the gospel, the good news. Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection, we can have a right relationship with God. That's the message, that's the gospel, that's what Romans is really all about. So there's some good news here that Paul wants us to understand. The resurrection is a verification of who Jesus is and what he came to do. That's what Paul tells us here in these four verses. Who is Jesus? Well, verse 3 talks about he was fully man, descendant of David. All those promises, messianic promises in the Old Testament, they're about him. He fulfilled those, so he's fully man. But yet, in verse 4, He was declared to be the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead. The resurrection is just simply verification of what was already true. He was the Son of God from the get-go, but the resurrection is just verification of that. So we see fully man, fully God. That's who Jesus Christ is for us today. What did he come to do? Well, he came to make a way into a relationship with God and the reality of the resurrection is this it simply verified that everything that Jesus said about himself everything that he said he was going to do for us is true because he came out of the grave that Sunday morning it's simply a verification CS Lewis by the way has a great quote many of you are probably familiar this is from mere Christianity his great book he says a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would, be a, would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or he's a madman or something worse. Jesus doesn't leave the option out there just that he's a good moral teacher because the things that he said the things that he claimed to be able to do only God could claim those things and he followed through on them and he came to life through the resurrection when Jesus came out of that tomb everything that he said about himself was verified to be true every promise that he had made was verif- was going to come true it was going to be accomplished in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 16 to 19, Paul tells us about how important a resurrection is for our faith. Here's what he says. If the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. There were some who were arguing that there's no such thing as resurrection. Paul says, okay, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. futile. You're still in your sins. Guess what? There's some bad news here. If the resurrection is not true, Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. If the resurrection is not true, we are, Paul says, to be pitied because we're following after a lie. But here's the truth. The resurrection is true. Our faith is valid. Everything that Jesus says is true. And we can trust him on that and put our faith in him. The second passage is from Romans 4, verses 23 and 25. We're going to see here that the resurrection made possible our justification and our righteousness. Here's what it says in Romans 4, 23 and 25. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins. He was raised to life for our justification. It's speaking of, in verse 23, this whole chapter of Romans 4 is talking about Abraham. And back in the book of Genesis, chapter 15, it says, Abraham believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. God put into his account. That's really what that word means, credited. It's like putting money into somebody else's bank account. God put righteousness into Abraham's bank account. God does the same with you and I when we put faith in Him, when we trust Him. He he credits us with righteousness. What does that word mean? Righteousness simply means that we're right with God, that we are declared innocent. It's a judicial term. We're innocent. And because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can be justified. There's another Romans word that we talked about as we've been going through Romans. What is justification all about? Well, justification is an act of God. It starts there. By which he declares the believing sinner righteous by grace through faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross and resurrection from the dead. Starts with God. It's an act of God that he credits our account of righteousness when we Put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and in the resurrection that followed. That's what justification means. He was raised to life for our justification. Romans 6 verses 4 through 5. We see that the resurrection allows us to walk in newness of life now here's what it says in Romans 6 4 5 we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father we too may live a new life for if we have been united with him in a death like his we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his one of the amazing wonderful things that we get to do today is baptism we're gonna that's why the lid is up behind me and there's water in the tank and in a few moments two individuals will be coming up here and I will be getting in the tank with them and we will be experiencing baptism. It's a beautiful illustration of exactly what we're celebrating here today. When someone goes down into the water, it's, it's the image, the illustration of Jesus dying, going into the tomb and then being raised again, coming up out of the water to walk in newness of life. And that's what the power of the resurrection means for you and me today. It isn't just we know that we're going to be in heaven when we die, and that's true. But we also know that we can live in the power of the Holy Spirit now because of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we put our faith in him, when we're in Jesus, we can live for him now. And that's the symbolism, this beauty of baptism. It's an illustration. It's an identification with Jesus Christ. It's a proclamation that you are a follower of His, that you want to be considered a follower of Jesus Christ, and you're willing to come up here in the midst. Trust me when I say, when you come up here on stage and when you look out over the audience, you, it's scary. And I've been talking to the two individuals who are gonna be baptized and trying to encourage them. It takes a lot of courage to get up here and do it, but it's so important, and I'm so excited that they're doing it today, but it's this beautiful illustration and identification with Jesus Christ. That's what it's about, but it's about newness of life. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and me through the Holy Spirit to live life now. Then the promise of what it will be in the future when we go to be with Him. We know the grave's not the end. Romans 6, 9 through 11, the next passage, talks about the resurrection giving us power over sin and death. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. That's a huge statement. He doesn't have to get back on the cross again. He did it once and for all that day. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, Paul says count consider reckon whatever your translation of your bible says count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus death no longer has mastery over us we know that there will be a day where we will die barring the Lord's return prior to that but there will be that day but we know that's not the end of the story And as Josh read earlier from that song, I hear it on the radio, and it reminds me the beautiful line in that song that says, he left the grave behind, so will we. That's the promise. Death has been dealt with, it's conquered, it's over. It no longer has mastery in our lives. Neither does sin. Not only has death been conquered, but sin has. Paul says we're dead to sin, we're alive to God in Christ Jesus. He's saying as Christians, we need to have this mindset. We need to understand fully and actually live on it and have this mindset that look, you're dead to sin. You don't have to live in sin anymore because you've been freed from that because of Jesus Christ. And you're alive to God, you're alive to follow him. That's the amazing truth that's here for all of us. We're freed from the penalty of sin, the power of sin. You know, the, the cross was sin's final move. When Jesus went to the cross and says, it is finished, he did what was necessary for you and me. He accomplished it fully. But it was the resurrection that was, was God's checkmate in this game of sin because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the truth. Romans 7, verses 4 to 6, the resurrection connects us to God through the Holy Spirit. So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For what we were, for when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, so that we bore fruit for death. That doesn't sound very good, does it? But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, not in the old way of the written code. There's some things that Paul wants us to understand, and Romans 7 is a powerful chapter. It talks about the struggle. Even as believers, when we come to know Jesus, there's still a sin nature that wants to hang around. And Paul says in chapter 7 of Romans, he says, there's times where I want to do this, and I find myself doing the exact opposite. And the very thing over here that I really want to do, I can't do it. I struggle. And he's just being honest with the struggle that sometimes we experience in Christ. But here's the good news. We have the spirit of Christ, the spirit of God in our life to give us the power to live for him. This whole idea that there's really two, he's contrasting two different ways of living. He says you can choose to live by the flesh and the law and try to please God on your own. And guess what? It doesn't work. In fact, fruit unto death is, he says, kind of the results. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6, 23. If left to ourselves, trying to please God on our own, in our own righteousness, or by following after any kind of rules that we might set up, it's going to be a complete failure. But, he says, by God's grace, through faith over here, there's a different option, there's a different way to live, and that's grace, the realm of grace, so that we are now living by the Spirit. The Spirit's giving us power, and guess what happens? We bear fruit for God. It's called the fruit of the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5. We're able to please God now because we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. He makes us right with Him, and then the Holy Spirit allows us and gives us that power to follow Him and bear fruit. But that's because of this resurrection the power of the resurrection. Romans 8, 34 through 39. Mark read this passage, and when we went through Romans 8, it is the high point of Scripture. Paul's going to ask two very important questions, and he's going to answer them. Sometimes, you know, Jesus sometimes would ask questions and leave people hanging out there. Um, He did that for a reason, get people to think a little bit. I like it that Paul just says, okay, I'm going to give you the answer. But here's, here's the two questions that he, that he gives here in Romans 8, 34, 39. Question number one. Who then is the one who condemns? He's already answered that one, by the way, Romans 8, 1. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So he gives us the answer, no one, period. Forget about condemnation. When you're in Christ, it's over. You're right with God. You're justified. You're holy in His sight. Nobody can bring a charge against you in the court, in God's court. That's what, no condemnation, okay? Christ who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. That's good news. He died, he resurrected, he ascended at the right hand of God, he's interceding for us. We're in pretty good shape, wouldn't you say? Who can condemn us? Nobody, okay? That's Romans first question. Second question, and another important one. And he asks this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Good question. Can anything or anyone get in the way of my relationship with Jesus once I'm in a relationship with him? That's a profound question. And then he gives you all options. Here's what he says, shall trouble hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Remember that word conquerors there is the word same word as Nike. We get the word Nike from, it's a Greek word. We are victors. In fact, we're We're more than victors. We're super victors in Christ, who loved us. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, height, depth, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I think Paul's pretty comprehensive there, don't you think? I think he's covered all the bases. If you were wondering, is there anything that can get in the way of my relationship with Jesus? can separate me from his love. I think Paul gave us a pretty good answer to that. And he's included everything. And with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, death is on that list of nothing that can separate us from the love. Isn't it good to know that? Because there's times where we might feel separated from the love. There's times where people might argue that they're separated from the love of Jesus Christ. But the reality that we know from Scripture is this. Nothing could separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's where it's at. That's the reality, that's the truth. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is a great verse just to camp on a little bit. Finally, in Romans 10, verses eight, 8 through 11, and just, I just spoke on this a couple weeks ago, this is the passage that is the gospel spelled out for us. What does it mean to receive the Lord Jesus Christ your Savior These are the verses that are often pointed to. Shows that the resurrection is a critical part of our faith. Here's what it says in Romans 10, 8 through 11. But what does it say? And he's quoting from the book of Deuteronomy here. He says, the word is near you, it's in your mouth, and it's in your heart. That is, the message concerning faith that we proclaim. Here it is. Here's what faith is. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Wow. Wow. That's a big statement, isn't it? Declare it, confess it, proclaim it. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. The resurrection is a big part of coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a central component of that. First, with your heart that you believe and are justified, it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. I love that verse. Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. There will never be a day where you say, I'm, what was I thinking? Or when you get in front of God and you're standing there with him, you will, you will never be ashamed. It will not be a scam because everything that Jesus said to be true will be true and you'll be living it out before God. So here's my message for you today. There's two things that all of us need to do. When you look at the resurrection, when you think about the resurrection Sunday, you know, the original disciples, it changed them, didn't it? Remember Peter? Kind of a knucklehead, like us, a little bit? Say something, and then over here, he's doing something different. He would jump in and then jump out. You know, I, I, I can relate to Peter because I'm kind of like him. The, Jesus' own brother, James, half-brother, to his parents, he grew up in the same house as Jesus, kind of thought Jesus was a little bit crazy, quite honestly, didn't believe in Jesus until after the resurrection. When Jesus came back to life, the half-brother of Jesus, James, came to faith in Jesus and wrote a book. We have it in our Bible, the book of James. It changed his life forever. So there's two things when we talk about the resurrection that you need to do at some point in your life. You have to believe. You have to believe that what Jesus said is true. You have to believe that God raised Jesus to life from the dead. The resurrection is an important belief that you have to have. But it doesn't end there. Confess, declare, proclaim with your mouth. Jesus is Lord. He's my savior. He's the Lord of my life. I'm gonna give my life over to him. That's really what you're saying, it's, it's a confession. It's something you can't keep inside anymore because it's so powerful, it's changed you. You just have to talk to people about it. You need to proclaim it, you need to t- it's gotta get out there. And in baptism today, that's part of that confession. It's part of that proclamation that Jesus is Lord. This is part of what we're gonna be celebrating today. So I want to encourage you as we talk about the resurrection it is a historical event it happened in time and place but don't let it end there that's not what it's about it's about changing your life if you haven't put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ this is the day this is the day to do it and I would love I would love to talk to you about that and I know anyone here if you are curious about that if you want to pray with somebody if you just want to talk about it Come talk to us, please. Um, We would love to sit down with you and talk to you about that. That's what the resurrection of Jesus Christ is ultimately about. He went to the cross with your sins, He died, He did all that He needed to do to bring about our justification. He went to the tomb, He rose again. Now He's ascended, He's at the right hand of God, He's our intercessor. How amazing is that! Today's the day to be in relationship with Him. I want to encourage you to do that. He is risen. risen Amen.